All right, well, good morning. We're going to begin with the lighting of the Advent candle. And um, Lee's going to come up and light the candle and read from the passage for this morning. Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There we go. Perfect. We are a well-oiled machine here. I'll tell you what. As are we all. Thank you so much, Lee. So the first candle that we lit last week was uh, representative of the uh, of hope, and, um, and we talked about hope. And this one represents peace. So this is the second in um, the Advent season. And when I say peace, a lot of us say, yeah, man, I could use a little bit of that in my life, or I could use a bit more of that, or maybe I'm at a place right now where I am peaceful. Things are, are doing well. Um, so let's just begin with um, a definition of, of what peace is. And I'd love to hear from you guys. What is peace? How would you define peace? Or perhaps how have others defined peace for you? How do you, what do you, what do you hear? Particularly around this season where, you know, this is the Christmas season and people are talking about, you know, peace and peace on earth. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of that. That's going to come a little bit more in the next week or so when people really get closer to Christmas, but you'll be hearing the music around peace, the talk around peace. But what does that actually mean? What is peace? letting go of things that um, you might want to control and letting God keep you at a place of rest. Okay. So letting go of the things you can't control right. and, um, and releasing those to God. Yep. Okay. What else? What's another definition of peace? Rest in your soul. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. What's another definition? What's another definition for peace? Calmness in the midst of Calmness in the midst of craziness. Yes. <laughs> Calmness in the midst of the mall. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Man, oh man. Or in the midst of the traffic that will start happening right around that time. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, my peace is going to be tested right around that time because we live a half a mile from the mall and our street is one of these main streets that everybody goes out on. So isn't it? Um, what's a, what's a, another perhaps definition or word synonym for peace? Tranquility. Yeah. Great word. What's that? Contentment. Yeah, that's a good one too. Really good. What else? Rest. Rest. Yeah. What else? It's another word, synonym, description. What is it? What does peace feel like to you? Let's go there rather than sort of, you know, 
the, the, the straight up definitions. What does peace feel like to you? How does that make you feel? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. I like that. That's the, no words needed. It's like that feeling of, ah, yeah, yeah a warm hug. Okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to say that with the Boston accent, though. Forget about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, what else? What does it feel like? A warm blanket? Uh, what? Fireplace? Images that you get? Hot chocolate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, peace can be oftentimes defined as the absence of something, the absence of stress, right? Anxiety. Absence of what else? Relational conflict, the absence of relational conflict. That's peace, yes. The absence of worry. The absence of fear, yeah. Okay, let's go, let's flip it to the positive. It, what's the, what's the, pre, it's the, also the presence of something. What would that be? Love, life, what else? Joy, yeah. Wholeness, grace. Contentment. There's that word again. Yes. Excellent. What else? It's the presence of. All is right with the world. Yeah. The presence of something positive. Yeah. God. What is it? The presence of God. The presence of God. Absolutely. We've, we've, with those of us who experience, have experienced the presence of God, it comes with peace, right? We put a lot of words around it because it's like hard to describe the exact experience of it, but definitely peace is one of them. Right. Yeah. All right. So that's good because we think of sometimes to think of the absence of something and the presence of something can be helpful um, for us to begin to think about peace. Um, what do the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures, otherwise known as the Bible, teach us about peace? Well, it's a gift. It's a gift. Yeah. True. What else? Okay, interesting. Comes at a cost. That's a good thought. Yeah. I think it's true. What else? What do the scriptures teach us about peace? That you can have peace amidst your circumstances no matter what, what they are. That you can have peace in the midst of your circumstances no matter what they are. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes you won't get it unless you give up. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yep. Yeah, yeah, very good. That's true. What else do the scriptures teach us about peace? It's a promise. It's a promise that we will have peace. Yeah, yeah. It's not a. It's funny because when we ask, when I ask that question about peace in the Bible, very few people would actually think of. It's hard to call that up because a lot of what we hear even from the sort of Christian world is um, stuff about well, a lot of different things, but very little in terms of um, the clear, like specific commands that um, were issued in the new Testament to the people that were uh, the first listeners. Here's how to live in peace. Do this. Right? We don't hear much of that. And I think it's because we're in a particular season in time where, um, we are no longer the oppressed people. 
There was a point in time when those who were following Jesus, those who were Jewish were the oppressed people. First, the Jews uh, in the, this is sort of the biblical context. First, the Jews and then the early followers of Jesus, right? They were the oppressed people. Today, we're not so much that even if we claim to be oppressed and like, oh, man, everybody's against us. And, you know, there's such a, a resistance to Christianity in the world and, and, you know, in America and all that. Even though we, we claim that it's not really accurate because we're still much more of the oppressor than the oppressed. We have the we have many more resources than the vast majority of the rest of the world does by far and away. The poorest of us today are wealthier than the people who lived in, say, uh, the 1800s, early 1800s, the, and I'm talking about the wealthy people of the 1800s. Um, so there's a lot of advantages that we have today that didn't exist for people um, who were really genuinely oppressed, right? So now, um, what does that have to do with peace? Well, when you're the one who's privileged, you tend to want to make sure that you keep that freedom and that. And so you begin to look at any threat from the outside as that which needs to be dealt with, with some measure of force. And that was true of, of, uh, of Rome. So let's talk about um, peace in sort of three categories. There's circumstantial peace and uh relational peace, and then finally, um, uh, personal peace. So circumstantial peace, relational peace, and uh, personal peace. So circumstantial peace, um, that's, the, that's the stuff that the, that the Romans were trying to create in the world of their day. Pax Romana. Ever hear of that? Roman peace. This is how we do it. How? How did Rome produce peace? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like I, we will make peace through you will be scared to battle against us and to do anything. And, and thus there'll be peace. But peace for whom? For them. <laughs> like in what sense was that peace for anybody else? It's like, well, we we're, we're the but but to their mindset in fairness, this is the this is what we have to understand, which is the mindset of today in their mindset they were doing things that would benefit for, they were very aware that they were benefiting themselves. Most of them, you know, there's, there's that, there's the awareness of, um, this is, this is definitely going to keep me in position of power, but also the, uh, the positive side for, in their mind was we're bringing a better world to existence. And so we're going to force our culture and our way on other people. And when they finally get it, they will thank us because we have taken them out of their extreme poverty and, and, uh, and uh, you know, subsistence living and, and not even that in many cases. We're going to take them out of that. We're going to take we're going to educate that they'll have some measure of education. They'll have a common language. Right. So the problems with communication, the problems with doing business and the in the, the, the conflicts that would occur and all this fighting among these little tribal groups in the ancient world. Now we're going to have one big, huge nation. That is the umbrella for all of them. We're going to give them, give them one language, roads that are safe to travel on so they can do business. They'll be taxed heavily. Yes, because that's how we do things here. And but they will live in relative peace. 
right? This is the concept they have in mind, and therefore you should be happy and grateful. In fact, there, you, there was a lot of propaganda by, by certain officials who would, uh, who would present this propaganda to the, to the people who had been conquered, saying, hey, you are blessed beyond you know, measure. You have no idea how lucky you are. You know, Rome has brought you out of the dark ages and bringing you into a place of enlightenment. We're educating you. Now you're going to have all. So all this stuff to try to make them understand that, in fact, life would be better under Rome. And yet, for the others, what were they thinking? This is not peace for us because you're still oppressing us. You're in power. You're taking control over our lives. And so for Rome, um, this was the type of peace. And this is what would be what we would experience as circumstantial or the lack of circumstantial peace in our lives. When circumstances are out of control in our world, we oftentimes lack peace. And so what do we do? We try by effort, by force or, or by passivity, sort of running away from the circumstances, we're trying to bring the circumstances under control so that we can finally experience peace. You with me? Circumstantial peace. There are many in our world who are trying to bring, and many of us who are trying to bring peace. Peace to the world, peace to um, to our lives, and um, and the thing is that if you do not possess internal peace, you cannot create external peace. It has to be internal before it could ever become external. And so for those people who are driven to justice and we're going to bring justice to this world because there are people who are being oppressed and they lack circumstantial peace. They're the minorities. They're the people who are being, you know, and and all that, by the way, yes and amen. We need to be for them. Totally true. However, if you are driven by something outside of peace, then you will not be able to create peace. You will just continue to perpetuate war. That makes sense. And this is where we are today. It's the same deal as what it was with Rome in its day. It's, it's happening all over again today, and it continues to happen. Uh, you can't create what you do not possess. If you do not have it, you cannot create it. You say, well, no, it's just these people. If these people were just, be, then I'd be, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of evidence around that. Because when you are at peace, what do you do? Are you responsible with that peace? Do you then create more peace as a result of you having circumstantial peace? The answer is probably no. Because then at that point, once you obtain circumstantial peace, you do everything you can to keep it. Including finding out who are the threats to my circumstantial peace. And making sure that they do not come near that or threaten that in any way. So the whole thing becomes very inward and it becomes very much about me and about me protecting my world and my peace. And what that does is, again, creates these problems relationally with the world around us. You cannot create what you do not have. If you don't have internal peace, you cannot create external peace. Just for fun. This is some people's version of peace. Right. Can you see that? You know what? How about if I actually 
did this thing called sharing the screen. So it would be very helpful, I think. Uh, where are we? Source. Here we are. Boom. Okay. All right. So this is some people's version of peace. <laughs> it's like, yeah, away from everybody, right? Um, this is some other people's, believe it or not, this is some other people's version of peace. No time to worry, right? Who would say the busier you are, the better off your mind seems to be, right? There's a little less worry. Some people, it's very true. Some people I know, it's just busy, busy, busy. As long as they stay busy, they feel okay, right? Um, this is some other people's version of peace, right? Real sweet, huh? Dog lying with a cat. Um, and that's peace because there's relational or, again, this is back to sort of circumstance. All of these, by the way, are circumstantial peace, right? Um, boy, everybody's stressing me out. I just need to be left alone. I just want to go away from everybody. And that's circumstantial peace, right? Same thing here. I need to keep myself super busy. Now, by the way, there's truth to all of this that's actually very healthy. Like there are times where you have to actually pull away. There's times where you do need to stay busy. Otherwise, your mind can be a problem. Um, and obviously, getting along is very important. But my point here is that if it's, it's, if it's about trying to create something from the outside that isn't present already within, at some measure within, then it results in all these other problems. But if it's present within, then it's our responsibility to create it on the outside of ourselves. Right? So the peace that we receive, we then uh, give. All right, so let's look at, um, so circumstantial peace, let's look at relational peace. Um, I'm not going to go through, the, I don't have the texts up here because there's too many of them and it'll be rapid fire here. So, uh, but relational peace, James two, this is the stuff that oftentimes doesn't get talked about in, in the church world. Um, is I, I grew up, I never heard these, these verses being preached. I'd hear, the, I'd, I'd hear them read in passing to another point that was trying to be made, but never the focus on being a peacemaker, creating peace in this world. And yet there's such a high emphasis in scripture on creating peace in this world and actually being a peacemaker. Um, James 2, 14 through 24, go. This is where um, he, James is saying, look, your, your faith is useless if it doesn't result in you taking care of people who are hurting people who are poor, people who are oppressed. So don't say you have faith without, because if you have faith and you don't have works, then you don't have faith. This is his point, right? So then he goes on to say, it would be a horrible thing for someone to say, who is in a better position, say to another person who is in a difficult position, struggling, go in peace and be well. Um, that is not sufficient for James. James says, that's not your job. Your job is actually to go and create peace. Because you, the assumption is you've already received a measure of peace. And from that peace, you're giving out peace to the world around you in practical ways. Um, Romans 12, 17 through 1, 21. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Right? As much as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Um, Romans 14, 17 through 19. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. 
This is, this is like uh, horizontal. This is very much about relational peace. How are we doing? How are we? Not how am I doing personally. There's a whole lot of namaste going around where people are just like, I just want to go and do the Buddha thing by myself and leave me alone. And that's where I find my peace. That's a version of peace. I'm not discounting that. It's actually very healthy to pull away and do that. But if it results in just that, then it's insufficient. The cycle is you, cre- you experience peace. You create peace horizontally. This is my role is I'm looking to make, I'm making every effort to create peace between me and you. And that's the role of the Christian. If we're not peacemakers, we're not doing what scriptures uh, have been for saying for a while. And I think these are transcending. These are not just culturally stuck. I think these transcend culture and keep going on to our day, create peace. It's necessary. Now, let, let me just bring it home a little bit, right? In our world right now, politically, there's so much division and people are not thinking about creating peace. Neil, we know that because when someone begins to post something on social media, are they thinking and are you thinking about, I hope this creates peace with other people? The answer is emphatically no. No, it's not. Because if what you're seeking is truth without peace, then you're not living with the fruit plurality, which that's the the way it's used in Galatians. We'll look at that in a moment. It's considered fruit. Even though it's, it's got a, 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 a uh, you know, it's, it's singular and plural at the same time, the idea is that this is a collective kind of experience. You can't have one thing, like one piece of the fruit, justice or truth. I want truth or I want, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, transparency, or I want uh, justice, you know, like I'm pursuing justice. Well, great. But are you also pursuing peace? Are you also pursuing joy? Are you also pursuing love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? All of these have to function together. If they're not functioning together, there's something wrong, right? So this is a good balance because if we're thinking about Um, well, I want to speak the truth, you know, and as Christians, we're called to truth. Yes, but you're also called to peacemaking. So how is your truth creating peace? Well, it'll eventually create peace because people will finally come to the truth, but it's not on a practical level. It's not. And this is where the church has lost it. Sometimes is we don't understand that it has to land practically. If it isn't creating actual peace on the earth, then there's a problem. Now there's another side to this. Because Jesus himself said in, John, in, in Matthew chapter 10, I did not come to create peace, but to bring a sword. This is a weird verse because nowhere else does that appear. In fact, he says right before then in chapter five, he's saying, listen, this is how you're to treat your enemies. You are to love your enemies. You're to turn the other cheek. You're to do a, like, it's so like driven by this idea of there has to be peace relationally. And you're to, you're to, you're to create that. And yet in, in Matthew 10, he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Right? So this is where wisdom literature is really important to understand how it functions. Because even though this is not considered classically list wisdom literature, in it is full of wisdom. Jesus is always teaching using a wisdom style of teaching, which is I'm going to say something and it's going to be paradoxical. 
right? So when he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, the point he's making here is that there are certain decisions you're going to be making as one who creates peace, that because you're creating peace and not war, you will actually cause some people to dislike you seriously and, 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 and be opposed to you, particularly people who are threatened by that. Because there are people who are in positions of power who do not want peace. Think about this for a moment. Do you honestly think that our leaders want peace between the parties? <clears throat> Absolutely not. The fear that they would have would be suddenly millions, hundreds of millions within America, all whatever, 300 and something million people coming together and actually saying we're done with politics as it is and we're going to sit with each other and we're going to create peace. It would terrify our leaders and they would do everything they can to prevent that from happening. And that's what happened in the day of Jesus. When the church began to move forward, creating peace between people who never once got along, it threatened those in positions of power and they began to come down hard on those people. And the same thing is true for just average people here is if I choose not to fight with you, but I choose to seek what's best for you. Sometimes that can also create more of a problem. But most of the time, what it'll do is it will cause peace. It will bring about peace. So peace, relational peace is a major value um, in the scriptures. Finally, personal peace, personal peace. Well, this is what we've been driving at, the internal peace, right? This is what's found with in Romans 15, also verse 13. So Romans has a lot to say about peace. Romans 15, uh, the apostle Paul says, may God, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace. May the God of all hope, fill you with joy and peace. What a blessing that is for all of us, because there are times where difficulty comes into our lives and we lack peace because of our circumstances. And we could be trying so hard to pursue it, pursue peace, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it. And it is evading us. And we're trying so hard to maintain the peace in the midst of difficult circumstances that you and I are facing. And, and many of us are facing. And in our church, we've had people that are right now um, battling some really difficult situations. And, you know, no matter how hard they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, hold on and we're trying to hold on to peace, sometimes peace feels like it's just going right through our fingers like sand. And in those moments, Man, it takes, it's a wonderful thing when God just shows up and blesses us with the gift of peace. And as those who are followers of Jesus, we do believe, and those of us who have experienced the, the, the miraculous, we've had those moments where suddenly in the midst of the storm, peace came into our lives and it was inexplicable to us. It wasn't something we fabricated or created. It wasn't something that we found some, you know, we worked up within ourselves. It just came from, from nowhere, apparently. And then we were at peace. And I love that because Jesus himself says to his disciples, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. It's a kind of peace 
that's gift. And that is true in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of our lives. And it's all gift in that moment. And so when Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And he goes on, is that the fruit of that Spirit, the Spirit that lives within us and among us, the fruit is something that's internal, that's intrinsic. And sometimes it goes away. The experience of that peace, it goes away. And then sometimes we have these moments where God blesses us with it, right? And so here's the message of hope for all of us is that even if you are at a place where you're having a hard time holding on to your peace, keeping your peace, don't feel badly about that. Don't feel shamed about that. Don't feel like there's something wrong with you as a follower of Jesus because you're having a hard time not having peace in the moment. But instead, this is what I love about the picture that Paul has, the Apostle Paul has in relationship to, um, to the church, is he sees it as a body, a physical body. And so with a physical body, the physical body is capable of meeting its own needs. If you've got an itch, you've got an arm to scratch it. If you need to see, you've got eyes to see. So long as you've got the capacity to be able to see, that's one of the blessings of, of, of your eyes. Another blessing is the ability to smell or the ability to taste, right? These are all gifts that the body has. So the message here is that for Paul, is that there are times where you will lack peace but there's someone else who has it and they will be able to come to you and bless you with it or their presence or their wanting to just be there with you during your time of difficulty will produce this peace inside you. Right. And so this is one of the gifts that the body has when we individually are lacking it. So don't put the pressure on yourself to be the person that has to carry the peace, has to always carry joy, has to always carry love, has to always carry all of these fruit all the time without fail. That's way too much pressure for any single individual to have. But collectively, we're the body of Jesus Christ, which is why we need each other, which is why we need to be with each other is because then we get to taste the fruit that God is producing within each one of us. And at different times, you're going to have joy at different times. You're going to have peace at different times. Someone else is going to have patience. Someone else is going to have kindness. Someone else is going to have more self-control. And with that, we get to serve one another and mutually edify and build each other up. And that's what the hope of the body of Jesus Christ is. Right? And so peace to all of us this morning, as each of us are working our way towards peace. But if you have circumstantial peace, yay. If you have circumstantial or intrinsic, if you have internal peace, then be one who creates peace in this world. Make it your goal to create peace, to give it out rather than to just say, Ooh, I finally got circumstantial peace. I'm keeping it. I do not want to lose this. Instead, give it. Because the more you give it, the more it'll grow. 
It'll grow within you and you'll be blessing other people for whom it will grow within them. And then they will be able to bless other people with that peace that they have also received. That's the way the fruit works. Make sense? Let's, let's worship. So stand. There's been a verse that's been going through my head since it started last week. And I can't remember the reference. But anyways, you just think about the song we just sang. And it's about Paul. And he had an affliction. And he pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. And God didn't take it away. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul learned that he was going to boast all the more gladly about his weaknesses, that God's strength may be made manifest through him. They would be evident to everybody. So these circumstances, they don't always change, but God is there and he empowers us to get through it. And it, 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 it isn't us getting through it. It's him getting through it. And our thing is it's the testimony that, wow, you brought me through that. I'm still standing. I'm still here. I didn't get crushed. So hold on to that. Hold on to God being able to do what you can't do. Even though the things that the enemy comes up with to destroy us, that we can't control. We always think it's about being able to control it. And then the hope is gone when we can't control it. But he's bigger than the circumstance. He's bigger. He's bigger than the schemes the enemy has against us. Hold on. Hold on. It says that I am the God of hope. I will fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in me. Trust in God to deliver you. Trust in God to get you through whatever it is that you're going through. Not that he's going to, he might not change the circumstances. He might just empower you to go through it. But it's going to be your testimony about what he does. So, Father, I pray that you do that. I lift up every situation that's going on now, the things that are beyond control, the things that are beyond our control. And, God, do we ask you to change them for us. Yes, we ask for deliverance, Lord. But most importantly, I pray for your presence to be upon us and in us and that you'd get us through it whichever way you choose to do it, that your name would be glorified, that we'd have a testimony of a God greater than our circumstances. So, Father, please meet every need in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This was so good. Was this good for y'all? Yeah. I think the part that really hit home was... um. You don't have to be everything, you know? Like, do you ever just think that you have to be all the fruits all the time? And um, I think I saw this morning just people using their fruit and giving that away. So that was really good. Um, I am going to read a poem by someone. Listen. Rise, friend, and face it. Put your feet and faith to it. Rise in all the greatness they told you to deny. Embrace the world before you and rise. 
I know there have been stories you were tempted to believe. A shortness in your coming caused a struggle to receive. But this is not a day for trusting in those lies. So stretch out your whole frame and rise. Rise to what awaits you. It's just not another day. There is no such thing. That's not a game we play. Let the stirring bring a burning, for you were not made to hide. So move bold into the morning and rise. So, Father, may we, may we rise. May we extend the fruit that you have given us today. And may we receive from you. Thank you for this community, Lord. And I bless each of you to go out and speak and to be what you have and to give what you have and to receive from others what you need. May you be bold in your asking and may you be bold in your giving. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.